Welcome back to the Change Your Filter podcast. I'm your host, as always, Tall Paul. For those who have not listened to part one of the John Tory episode, go back, find the episode with John Tory. Give that a listen. In episode one, we talk all about the automobile industry and how people went from, you know, thinking the idea of buying a car online is absurd to record sales for online purchasing for automobiles. So I'm fascinated by that industry and we talk quite a bit about that in that episode. But in episode two, first of all, for me, John Tory kind of came out of nowhere. He just showed up and starts dropping incredible insight all over the internet related to home services. So someone that you want to know, go to the Data Driven Trades blog and subscribe to that. John is always sharing insight that is actionable interesting and just really smart stuff. Um, But in part two of my interview with John, we're going to talk about the modern home service contractor and how to operate your business with more clarity and precision around marketing, better understanding things like revenue attribution. Um, Said more directly, you contractors, I can't assume everyone's a contractor listening, but contractors have data coming in from everywhere. John talks about how to understand that data, understand what is important, what is actionable, and how you can grow and run a better business with the data that is flowing in and out of your business. Please enjoy this conversation with my good, very smart friend, Jonathan Torrey. Hey, this is John Torrey, and you are listening to the Change Your Filter podcast with Tall Paul. Tell me about Searchlight and tell me what you're doing in HVAC and, and yeah. what you're learning and what excites you. Yeah, absolutely. So we founded Searchlight back in January of 2020. And really what the, it's, it's organic. Our, our president's father's a plumber and he put his three sons through college, you know, with his plumbing business. That's how I met, you know, two of my co-founders. It was through college and then they worked with me at deal.com. And once the kids were out of the house, he said, hey, I want to try to grow my my plumbing business. I'm going to hire a marketing agency. And he didn't tell us about it. And then a couple months in, he called his sons and said, hey, you, you're you the nerds that like the marketing data. Can you take a look at this? I don't know what I'm getting for this. I haven't been growing my business. What's happening here? And we we all took a look and said, oh, my gosh. This, I mean, this it was egregious at, at the time. It was just being taken advantage of. And we did a little more research into the you know HVAC market and said, you know what, let's we took it personally. Let's let's offer a solution. Let's come in as an agency, PPC and Facebook. We have a, a plat, pretty advanced platform that we were using at the time, and we wanted to bring it to market and see if that would be something that you know would would become our vision for the future. I guess you could say like that's what we want to focus on. And so we got our first few clients organically, just you know through friends. Say hey, we're doing this. Do you know anybody? Talk, do the pitch, do the thing. And they would give us feedback and say, hey, we really like you. We know you care about our business, but we're not seeing the results in our CRM. We're not seeing the revenue. Mm-hmm. So for me to validate, hey, are we all going to go forward with this business full bore, invest our time and, and efforts into it? I decided to start tracking lead to revenue manually. So again, hearkening back to the DR.com days, knowing that a lot of stuff gets missed through chat and form and it still happens today. So I wanted to see what's actually happening here. So I went through, I listened to thousands of phone calls, forms, chats, the whole thing. And I had these spreadsheets. I had these lists. So it'd be customer called in. They're a new customer. They said that on the phone. Here's their address. Here's their phone number. And then I would look in the CRM to see, okay, are they in the CRM? Did they get a scheduled consultation? Are they an open estimate, a sold job, a closed job? Where are they at? And I would go back and refresh these lists. 
So I would go back to the spreadsheet and like go back through like every week just to see did that status of that customer change. And what I started to find, and it's nothing against these CRMs because it's difficult. CRMs are only attributing to one channel. So if you come in via PPC, but you convert via schedule engine, you can only pick one. And it doesn't tell the full story. And then CSRs, we were finding like there was an example, there's search light and search kings. CSRs were manually changing it from search light to search kings, which made us look like we weren't performing, but it was just because on that dropdown list, search kings was higher than search light and they sound similar. What What's it to them? I don't blame them at all. And then you have, sure. you know, a lot of people getting bucketed into an internet category because there weren't any tracking of conversion tools. There's no pixel on the website. Then you had existing customers because they were new at the beginning, but they got a, a, a an estimate or a sole job consult or a consultation. And because they had an appointment done and complete, they become existing. So you, it's like, wait a minute, is this really an existing customer? Did they come from a Facebook ad or through organic and then through their customer journey, mm-hmm. they became existing technically. So we decided at that point to go all in on building an analytics, a connected analytics solution across multiple CRMs, conversion tools with attribution logic that would follow the customer through their journey. Where did, what campaign did they originate from? What conversion tool did they use? What, uh, you know, did they get revenue two months after that lead came in? And, and really building specific logic around that and starting to build benchmarks and starting to formulate strategies for HVAC companies to address operational issues, strategy issues, things like that. So we went from agency to data analytics platform. We have now started partnering with agencies where we say, mm-hmm. hey, you want to defend your value as a business. We know that the CRMs aren't always accurate. We can give you this return on ad spend dashboard analytics with the customer list of everybody we're tracking with amazing filters. We can match data better than anybody else in the space. Uh, we built everything custom from the ground up, the storage solution, all that. You can weave in other other data points. So whenever someone's saying, hey, it's hard to get at this data, I don't know what data points to get at. It's hard to get at these data points. Once I do get them, I don't know what to do with them. That's where we come in and that's really our expertise. So we've kind of floated out of this. You know, we still have our PPC. We still have our bigger accounts that we're very dedicated to. And it's a good feedback loop for us to, to learn. But our primary focus now is being that industry plug-in to get at the data and help contractors do the right things with it so that they can get ahead of the wave. They can be on the wave as it's forming and they can avoid missed revenue opportunities. And as the industry trends and evolves and changes, they can be prepared for it and they can use data to help them make those decisions. Describe what your ideal customer looks like, the people who are using you and having the most success and feel free to drop names. I love hearing real stories. Yeah, so um, one of the ones I'll, I'll say because I love them so much is Gens Ryan out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, they're, mm-hmm. they're owners, data-driven, their team, Autumn, Michelle. They're awesome. We've only been working with them for about six weeks. So this is a great use case of, you know, they're, they're a pretty big operation. Um, I won't share like revenue numbers or anything like that, but they're, they're sure. a pretty yeah. big operation in a metro area. And, you know, they, they, get, they want to be in the top 1%. And I think that's an important motivation to have is you want to be in the top 1%. And I always say, hey, use the data to get 1% better, right? They're meeting with me weekly. They're diving into the data. They're, they're making changes based on the data that, that they're seeing. And we've already, in the first six weeks, uncovered tremendous opportunity for them. 
For example, where, where are you driving your, when you run a Facebook ad, where are you driving that traffic? Is it turning into anything? You might not know that, and then we can help mm -hmm. you measure that um, accurately and make decisions based on that. When you have an online scheduling tool, how many steps are you making the customer go through before they end up converting? You might have one too many. Like we start to understand, okay, if you've got five steps instead of six, your conversion rate is going to go up by 20%. Sure. Your terminology that's listed there, right? Bing was an undervalued channel, you know, underinvested channel for them and for a lot of contractors. Hey, there's more demand here than, than you think. And then, hey, mate, you know what? I think you're actually... Here, here's a list of customers that we think you should follow up with because they're open estimates or they're lead only and we get all the lead details. So not only like in this customer list, when we're showing them the data, there's graphs and charts and numbers, but we have a list and we can show you everybody that came from advertising spend that's only a lead. They're not in your CRM with an opportunity. And we can see specifically what did this person put in the form? Oh, I can see that they were requesting an installation or a replacement of a furnace and AC on January 8th, but they're not in your CRM, you might want to follow up with, with them. Mm -hmm. um, we don't manage their ad spend. We just came in, at, you know, we do consulting with this. Um, we came with the dashboard layered and consulting on top of it. So I think that, um, you know, everybody's everybody's different in where, where they're at in the growth of their business. We are looking for people, like really the good fits are more established businesses. Um, mm -hmm. I think the probably the bottom there, and it always depends, but, you know, $5 million a year annually is something that, it is probably right around where it starts to generate a lot of interest. But frankly, a lot of private equity firms and groups, aggregators, small to big, we've, mm -hmm. we've got some big ones, right? Um, they immensely benefit from this because you have a portfolio of brands that you're trying to keep track of. You're trying to prioritize which ones are underperforming and why are they underperforming? What do I do about it? So we've had, we've had a number of private equity firms where we're doing consulting with to help with data architecture strategy, things like that, but also to build out this ROAS analytics, help them figure out what metrics should I be tracking? How can we get at the data? What do we do with the data? How do I improve the efficiency of our portfolio when I'm trying to do a million different things? So independence groups, um, you know, are, are definitely both in, in play for what we're doing. Do you commonly get misperceived as being just another marketing agency? We used to, definitely. Mm -hmm. But so for anybody thinking about career and marketing, we haven't spent really a dollar on marketing. It's not fully true. We tested maybe $300 worth of campaigns like three years ago, but 2022, right? Like, like for all intents and purposes, $0 on marketing. So what I did, I'm a good writer. I, I enjoy writing. I proved it out. Like I built and sold a blog. I was doing freelance writing for 1.37 p.m. I wrote about sports card data, sports cards and uh, digital collectibles. So I had that background. That's um, 137 is Gary Vaynerchuk. Gary Vaynerchuk's, yep. Asset, yep. Yep. Um, Gary Vaynerchuk retweeted a few of few articles I, I wrote and it, you know, it ended up getting me a foot in the door. So I had a lot of experience writing for a publication, going through data, talking about it, trends, analyzing. I had a ton of fun doing it. So I, I built that up. Like that was something that I didn't just wake up one morning and say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start this, launch this sub stack called the Data Driven Trades. So I had about a year and a half of, of just writing like every day. I I, I did profiles. Like I, I've interviewed, you know, a, a lot of different people and have written articles like Matthew Lillard, one of my favorite actors. He he played Stu and Scream. He was in, you know, Shaggy and Scooby-Doo. So I, I interviewed him yep. and wrote an article about, you know, his uh, Midnight Movie Club, this NFT project they were doing. I interviewed Russell Wilson's business partner and wrote about his business, Local Weather. So 
I had this experience kind of coming in and we talked about what is our marketing strategy going to be? We have to kind of shake. We were searchlight advertising before. This is an old logo. I'm going to get, you know, a new one behind me. I'm, I'm pointing to a little sign on the wall, but we've now transit. We're just searchlight. So mm-hmm. we dropped the advertising. We dropped the LinkedIn, this, this, and that, which has actually increased the response rate when I reach out to people on LinkedIn. But here's just kind of the typical thing. So I launched the data-driven trade Substack, which is just an email newsletter. Once a week, I write an article about it's anonymized blind data. I don't know what accounts we're including, but we have a, a big sample and it just kind of pipes in. And I write about the trends that I'm seeing, what I would recommend, and just try to bring value. So we built that list up. Pretty, there's some big names on there. I'm actually incredibly humbled at, at some, of the, some of the names that have ended up on, on that list. We've seen vendors. There's a couple of people at Service Titan you know, that, that are on there. I'm seeing agencies on there. Like there, there's, a, there's a diverse group of people that are on there reading this, sharing it. And what I've been doing now is I, I just, when I see somebody subscribe and they, they open the emails, uh, I'll connect with them on LinkedIn. So if they connect with me on LinkedIn, I say, hey, so humbled that, that you're reading the data-driven trades. Would you be open to a 20-minute informational interview because I'm always looking to enhance my content? And I just want to learn about your role and what data you're looking for. We're, we're very well positioned to solve some, some pretty difficult problems in the space because of our infrastructure. I just want to learn about what you do. And I've gotten a number of really interesting people say yes to that question that's turned into, and I never sell on that first time. Like there's, it's, it's not, I'm going to, you know, trap you into a sale. I think pitch slap is what people kind of call it. It's like you, you message that's people, right. Fun. And I just, I just talked to them. What, what's your day like? Tell me about your day. What are your pain points? And inevitably they're like, well, all right, I get it. Show me what you're working on. And I, I show them and they say, okay, this is actually really interesting. Could we, potentially do a pilot. How much does this cost? Everybody in the calls, how much does it cost? So kind of did that, you know, doing that strategy. So in the process of doing that strategy, um, and then what happens is, you know, we'll, we'll get some of these clients and then they're working with a vendor. Um, and they say- A marketing hey, agency. Yeah, marketing agency, yep. conversion tool. There's a lot of really cool stuff coming out. Scheduling, e-commerce, Scheduling, myself. e-commerce. All the right? things, yep. Outbound. Yep. And they say, hey, mm-hmm. Searchlight, I think you should meet this company because they've told us that they can't really get to the revenue they're driving. They can't really get to the customer journey. And I think I heard you right that you do that. So that has snowballed into now we're starting to work with some of these outbound providers, some of these online schedules, things like that. And that's really cool for us because we still get to be a part of the industry. We're not working. And I always love working directly with HVAC contractors, but now we can scale our solution out to them so they can see what's working, what's not, and how to improve on it. So it's been very organic. So that that newsletter for me, and again, I'm trying to create video around it, doing you know podcasts with, with people who are established and give, give me the chance to do that. I always appreciate. And just try to bring value. Some, some of these articles take me six hours to write just for context mm-hmm. for people. This isn't 30 minutes and done. Like it, it's work. So I just picked, hey, I like writing. And that's what I went for, even though I know everybody else does video right now. And it, it seems yeah. to be doing something. So... I'm I'm just thinking of our shared customer, the the contractor, the residential home services contractor, yeah. HVAC yeah. contractor. And in their mind, there are certain categories of companies they work with. They work with someone that handles their field service management, namely Service Titan. They work with someone who does their marketing. Um, do you find that marketing, like you mentioned, you partner with marketing agencies? We do. Do you find that? your role is to compliment them or to expose them? And is it misunderstood? Yeah, I think it it is definitely misunderstood. I'll, I'll say that. We haven't run into it too much yet, but our role is definitely to compliment them. 
So I just had this question. We, there, there's a big group we're excited about the prospect of working with. And one of their things was, hey, how are you going to work with our marketing agency? So there's a lot of products. And again, I saw this in automotive. Like I, I can read like this type of stuff. Like I know when, when one of our, I, or I used to know when one of our PPC clients was talking to somebody else and they, cause they would start asking me questions that were clearly planted. I'm like, I've been through this sure. before. Let's get on a call. Yep. Who else are you talking to? What are we not doing that, that we could be doing better to help, you know, your business. And I've had that a number of times. Like I, I know, like if you're looking at somebody else, I know, um, mm-hmm. we're not a Trojan horse. This isn't like, hey, we're going to put a report in front of you that we can bias in our direction and steal the PPC business. We don't want to do that. Sure. Like, like we want to be very, very, very good, the best, like untouchable at, at one thing, right? And it's the business intelligence, the data collection, the data matching, and the insights from that. That's a company. Like, you, you can't really do both because if you start to think about where we can start to do data science modeling, we can start to use, you know, like build out where you can Q&A your data set, you can query it. Like that's a, a company with 10 years of work in, in front of it. So mm-hmm. it, I think it's misunderstood now because people are still a little nervous, which I completely get. Like I would be too. Like, hey, there's another analytics company coming in here, but we've been in their position where they're not able to communicate their value proposition because it's not always accurate. They can't really QA it themselves without a, a beast of amount of work. Listening to a thousand phone calls, like that's what I did before. Now we have a solution where you don't have to do that and you can still communicate the value and the issues where things are coming in. So as we meet with these clients, like any proposal that I put out, I put in their vendor relationships. We're, we're here. I Compliment's a good word. I, I think I said I were. We work in partnership with your vendors. You've already selected them. And if you've done your due diligence... They're, they're, they're your partner. Like we're, we're here to help them use the data to improve their services. And ultimately we want to work with them as well. Only in the situation where you start to say, hey, our customer service is down or they're doing something egregiously wrong. That's something that we can talk about in partnership with them. But we're not here to necessarily say, hey, we're going to come in and expose. We want to come in and give you the right data collected, the right insights, and what our unbiased recommendations would be to fix it. What data? Data or data? I struggle. I say data. I know. I say data. I don't know. Data. We're going to say data. Yeah. What should contractors be looking for? What bit of information should they have that they're not even asking for, that they're they're not even aware of, right? They're just thinking, they think cost per lead. They think cost per click. They think website traffic, like they're spoon fed certain numbers, but is there, are there, is there a collection of data that's most important or tied to revenue that they're not even looking at that, that you guys bring to the table? Yeah, so we call it revenue flow, which mm-hmm. there's different terminologies. So these are things that, yes, they're, they're probably already thinking about it or looking at it or have heard of it. But we have something called a match rate. That's proprietary. It's the mm-hmm. percentage of leads that end up in the CRM with a sellable opportunity. That right there is going to tell you how well, the quality of your leads and also how well your team is managing those leads. A lot of the time, we do it by conversion tools so you can see, hey, I don't think your team is answering your chats that are coming in. You're kind of wasting money here. Here are some examples of those conversations. We have another thing called book job rate. We might change that because as I, you know, book jobs, like the way I understand it, shout out to Forrest Perry. He kind of walked me through this. People think of a book job as a lead that's then set an appointment. But what we're really looking at is how much does it cost to acquire a paying customer from a specific channel? And that is, we've called a cost per book job. Um, you know, uh, book job rate is the percentage of those leads that just step through each part of the funnel. So the way that we're visualizing it is again, across all conversion tools, 
is how are these leads going through each step of the funnel? Are they new or existing, right? Building logic in to determine, hey, this is actually a new customer, even though it's showing as existing in your CRM, breaking it down by ad channel and conversion tool. And then really too, it's just, yeah, it's those benchmarks. It's looking at, you know, what is the average cost per book job in my portfolio? What is the return on ad spend? Let's um, let's talk benchmarks. I made a note to myself that only asked two more questions and I uh, guarantee that's not going to happen. So, um, let's talk benchmarks. So you mentioned cost to acquire a paying customer, yeah. I think is the number you said. What is, you know, I'll, 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 before I ask the question in full, I'll, I'll share some just industry things I've overheard over the years. Yeah, I've heard yeah. anywhere from it should take six to $800 to acquire a new install customer. It could take $400. Like what, it, what are those benchmarks? Yeah. So I hate giving this answer, but it's true. It's wildly dependent okay. on the, the market area and your business operations. And this is where it becomes like, I, I did just publish this. So like for PPC and this isn't install specific, this was just cost per book job. You just gave me an idea to go then look at install specific. Uh, it's getting more expensive. I'll tell you that right now. So 2022, we saw it go up. The, the least expensive months were May, June, and July. Just counterintuitive. You think, wait a minute, there's a lot of demand, probably a lot of competition. May, June, July, we're under $300 cost per, per acquisition service and install, probably leaning yeah. a little heavier install. Um, okay. So we, we've always seen it for PPC under under $400. Um, I, I, the average, it's, it's around $350. But we'll see people who it goes up to $1,000 because... Sure. Your form leads are going to a spam folder and you're just kind of wasting that. Or your yeah. website's broken, your your click to call on mobile. We, these are all things that we've seen. Click to call on mobile is not working. So half of your traffic who was might have been trying to get in touch with you couldn't. Mm -hmm. Things like that. Or you know, whatever those things are. So probably around three hundred and fifty dollars for for PPC, but it varies. But and I don't want anybody so this goes back to complimenting a vendor. So if if mm -hmm. you're figuring that out, which I, I don't I don't know of anybody kind of doing it, you kind of try to get at the data in 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 a CRM. Um, but if you hired us and, and you're at a seven hundred dollar cost per acquisition, we don't come in and say your agency sucks. You should switch. It's like let's let's break this down into steps. When you said what do we bring to the table that nobody else does, I think it's the ability to break down that customer journey accurately into these steps. Do they get into the CRM? Do they have a sellable opportunity? Uh, you know, where were those things missed? What is the average ticket value? What are the types of jobs that you're getting? What is the channel mix? What is what is Google bringing you? Is Google suddenly more expensive and not bringing as many installations? And you should think about Bing. So we give them a framework of questions to ask and and takeaways. And if if the the vendor's not doing the takeaways and they're ignoring them, then yeah, that's a problem. But if they're working in partnership, you know, usually we can get at the core issue of like what the heck has got my revenue down. Conversely. What spiked my revenue? For example, we had that cold snap right before uh, Christmas this year. And some clients did really, really well and others really, really struggled. And it's all in the data. We can show you because we can also look at time to revenue. Like we can slice the data a lot of different ways where it's not slow. You're not matching 15 different reports. We pull it all together. And so we can look at time to sale. We can look at, again, the match rate. We can look at how many leads came in December 23rd, that was the biggest one, that just never were answered, that never made it into the CRM. And then we could see with other clients that, hey, they prepared for this and staffed appropriately and record, record days of sales. 
Okay, two more questions. This one's really self-serving, okay? There's, there's a bias in this question. Yeah. Teeing it up for you. So how do you see e-commerce playing into the residential HVAC contractor's ability to convert and sell more and reduce cost per lead and all those sort of things if a, if a consumer can go really far down the process, even maybe even put in a credit card, which is a future state. But yeah, what have you learned from the car dealer world that would yeah. give you any predictions there? So let's think about the, the stat. 1.2 dealerships. That's the, the, that was the average number of dealerships a customer would visit 1.2. And that was not the case. Like b- before we had this online presence, it used to be 3.6. So you would visit about three to four. So how many estimates are customers getting today? Probably three to four, right? So you w- might want to schedule yourself as the last one so that you have the last word. You might. We've done some interesting things with clients to actually help them set a higher expectation and educate the customer so that even if they have, even if the customer gets four of them, they could still win the business. That's kind of part of what our yep. data revealed is that, hey, you increased your budget, you had increased demand, but your time to sale or your time to being in the home has lengthened. You need to do some content around that gap because otherwise someone else is going to swoop in and get there faster. But I think about this. Is it a good thing or a bad thing that customers would start only going to one dealership? That all of a sudden, like you're pulling your hair out because you're competing against price. You got four other people in the home. How are you going to win? You have to have this huge value proposition. If you're an early adopter, being able to get your customer down the funnel, you can offer them the traditional experience. But if you start to get them down the funnel, like Schedule Engine, right? Online scheduling is one of the highest match rates and book job rates out of any conversion tool. Why? Because if I'm going to take the time to book online, and set an appointment, I'm probably don't have the energy to go set a bunch of other appointments. And so, right. Yeah. You know what I mean? So if you start to get like, that's all, that's why in automotive, like the next immediate step, and I've already seen it, it's going to be merchandising. It's going to be how well they're marketing the vehicles on the website, because you're still going to go to a bunch the, the number of car dealer websites that you're going to is increased. Because that's where you're doing your research. You're not going to the dealership side. You're going to the websites. So the ones who are doing well with the vehicle merchandising, you're going to see the the 3D spins, the you know interior uh, photos, the video tours. Like there, there's a lot of investment in that right now, and it's not a freaking surprise because your customers are shopping there. They're only going to come to one or two dealerships. So if you think about HVAC, how can we replicate that similar? Like what are the when I go into a home and maybe somebody's done it a thousand times, like. What are the biggest things that a customer has an objection on, wants to hear, see, feel, touch, et cetera, about this? And can we bring that on the internet? And if we can and we do it well and we study and we have analytics, right? We have searchlight analytics, little plug for us, like looking at where are customers going in this journey? Where are they stopping off so that we can perfect that customer experience for 80% of people? Then all of a sudden, it's like if you get them putting in a credit card, they're already committed to you. Why are they going to go get three to four other estimates? I'm, I, that's the I, that's like I'm glad we had this conversation because I didn't see it before, but now I see it. I would be willing yeah. to bet that the number of websites a an HVAC you know customer goes to increases, and the number of HVAC contractors they have in the fo- the the home decreases as this becomes available, just like it did in automotive. Now maybe we're a couple yeah, years absolutely. away from that. But I'll tell you right now, like if, if I, for me, I don't even own a home, 
But I, I hear these customers calling in. You're my third estimate, fourth estimate. I don't know which appointment I am. I'm so confused. I'm tired. I don't have heat. This just sucks. It's not fun. Right. Yep. 99% of car buyers declared that they were dissatisfied with the automotive buying process. And I guarantee it's worse than that in HVAC. Yeah. Um, you mentioned merchandising, which is something I've been, I've been using that word a lot in presentations recently because there is a lack of merchandising in the industry. The manufacturers do an okay job of it, but, um, you know, contractors withhold that information. And so when you go into the home and you start to talk about inverters and variable speed and two stage and zoning, and it's three or four times more expensive or whatever, 30, 40% more expensive. And the homeowner's like, you know, 95% or 90% of the industry is single stage, low seer stuff they don't even know this stuff exists and you expect them to learn about it in you know the 12 hours that they have to make a decision while there's other there's three other people coming out to their house yep while they're uncomfortable in there so anyway i could go on and on and on about that um last question here you earlier you mentioned at least i think it's my last question let me check my notes here i'm just gonna be fully transparent oh you talk about um kind of helping with the operational side of things so Your um, so I'm ju- I'm just gonna speak for you. So you've you've got this, this customer, and they are working with a great website agency. They're working with someone to do PR. They're working with Schedule Engine. They're working with Contractor Commerce to do e-commerce. Noah, shout out to our team here. They're working with um, you know Service Titan, if I've not already said that, and other tools. And they've got all this data. They've got all these reports. They've got all these meetings. Your job is to come in, help them aggregate that, help them clean it up, help them understand it, help them get insight from it. But then how do you affect operations? You mentioned earlier, like taking the data and fixing operations. Like where do you guys step in there? Yeah. So big piece of it is just looking first, very, very first thing is match rate. Like that's Again, we just had a you know potential client. I said, look, you're going to spend a lot of time with match rate for some of these brands. And we're mm-hmm. going to evaluate where in the process they're failing, whether it's leads, chats, online scheduling, the website experience, things like that, that are you know kind of interrupting that customer's process. This isn't my analogy, but we call it a record scratch moment where you're listening to a record and you're in the zone, your eyes are closed and you're just, you're into whatever song you're listening to. And then somebody scratches the record and it kind of jolts you, right? And it gets you off the course of your buying journey when that happens. And we're trying to avoid those record scratches. So, so there's that piece um, where it's just looking at, Hey, I think you need to give a little more love to your form leads. It's looking at, Hey, how are you segmenting audiences to do outbound? We don't do outbound, right? But there's companies that do, and we can help them think about it. For example, we had a client, Yesterday, um, we uncovered an example. So we have a customer list. I said, these are lead only. This person wanted an AC furnace installation. Any insight on what happened? They filled out a form. We could see what they said. It came in on a Saturday. And they said, yeah, you know what actually happened is that person, you know, we, we got them uh, an appointment and then they canceled that appointment. Let me see if we were doing an outbound to them. And they realized, oh my gosh, we're not doing an outbound. We should create a segment of people who have canceled appointments and that should be different messaging mm-hmm. than somebody who has an unsold yeah. estimate. I said, boom, there it is. So there's there's that piece. Um, when you're at a portfolio level, I think the very first thing is which of my accounts are underperforming so I can actually focus on doing some of those things. And then it's looking at your channel mix. Are you underinvested in your marketing? It's like we build calculators where we know we know the percentage of impressions that turn into a sold job through that whole that whole flow. Mm-hmm. Um, we can see, you know, again, like when you make a change on your website design, we know how it impacts the outcome, the business outcomes. So, right. you know, there, there's just 
a, a lot of that where we're not we're not in there, right? Like we're not necessarily coaching the CSRs or doing some of those things, but we're providing. We're just saying, hey, this is what the data is telling us right now. Let's make some changes. And should you should you open seven days a week? Should you add after hours service? Like we can then tell you what the outcomes of that are. If it's a good investment or a bad investment, just based on what you're invested there. We just we do it collaboratively. And I've learned a lot about you know HVAC business coming into this. It really is just. For me, it's listening to a lot of podcasts, talking to a lot of contractors, really understanding, you know, like another one, hey, uh, we need to focus on tech flips because mm-hmm. demand right now, and it's true in a lot of markets, demand for install replacements are down. So, hey, I we're seeing that now. I'm, I'm warning everybody now. So operationally, like, hey, are there any incentive plans? Is there any, are you putting your best techs on the 10 plus year old units that are good at flipping them into replacements? Because you might need to do that right now. In 2001, would you have predicted that the automotive industry, that car dealers, that all of them would have an online shopping experience, inside sales, the whole thing? Would you have predicted that? So in 2001, I'm trying to think of how old. Or 11, I'm sorry. 2011. So when I when I started yeah. there. Um, you were 10 in 2001. Yeah, no. Well, in 2001, like I, I was a very early like internet user. Like I, I kind of got it. I wish I pursued some of that a little bit earlier, but I found a lot of cool stuff. Like celebrity workouts is always my thing. Like I always like, you know, wanted to be in good shape and things like that. So I was able to find, it was just so cool to me that you could find like, here's Tobey Maguire who's playing Spider-Man in the first like real superhero movie. Like here's this guy's workout. You can access so much information. But in 2011, there were, there those questions always floated. Could you buy a car online? My old 2011 self wouldn't have believed it. Um, cause yeah. like, I learned through Gary V to follow curiosity and then where, where it takes you not to just ignore and shut things off, which I think I was part of that dealer cohort to the point where I ended up buying a car online from Carvana. Like I went from thinking in 2011, there is no way people, I, I know better. There's no way people are going to buy cars online until I let my guard down, dampen the ego. And then six years later, holy cow, I bought a car online that I ended up having to return mm-hmm. And it was a yep. poor experience, but nonetheless, it you know didn't happen. But most dealers now have pricing online. They have shopping online. Yep. They have an inside sales team. Like it is just normal to have yep. online sales for cars and be a dealer and do service and bring people into your dealership. Yep. It's twenty twenty three now. Yep. When do you or do you predict that most or all or some? We'll say most are all. Most are all HVAC contractors will have an online store. Um, most are all. So if I go by my timelines and where things, I'd say, so I came on it in 2011. We had uh, 2014. I'd say I, I put it at like six years. Yeah. And I could be super wrong. Six years. This is just, this. yeah, six years. Number. Yeah. But but what typically, I mean, what happens is is there's um, there's typically an event like uh, the new formation of a company that wants to compete, steal your business, right? We have the same thing. Cargurus Auto Trader, Home Advisor, Angie. Say that Angie starts to it'd be difficult, right? Because it's not like a used car. You can't just aggregate install data. But right. say that somebody finds a clever way to start putting, hey, if you own a home that's 2,400 square feet, maybe they do get at that data somehow. Here's what you can expect to pay. For these different things. Here's a good deal. Here's a great deal. Here's what the warranties are valued at. If somebody starts to figure that out, it will accelerate it a lot faster. And I would 
now we're we're going maybe potentially in a recession, so you could see some of those things happen. But but yeah, so like six years, and I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope it's faster. But for anybody listening that kind of gets it, they're like, ooh, like I'm looking at auto, and I'm thinking we're pretty similar to them. We're like the third most expensive purchase now in a customer's lifetime, and it's it's you know yeah, it's not as sexy, but people are working from home, things like that. Like you have six like there's this big window where if you do this stuff now and you start to get good at it you could potentially have half a decade or longer before this is an industry norm to compete (laughs) and build your customer base and keep them in your ecosystem because even if it's sorry i was gonna i was just gonna say yeah go ahead please real real fast even though it's 2023 and car dealers have this stuff we're we've had people reach out to us from auto to say can we can you please build this for automotive because I think we're missing chat. I don't think we're responding to leads. I think we're not thinking about our marketing strategies the right way. And I'm like, no, we right. can't. We're focused on HVAC. That's all we do right now. But 20, even with all the fancy bells and whistles and, and that experience, if you can still, I mentioned earlier, customer service, if you still obsess over your customer journey and, and perfect it the best that you can, it's over if you're doing that for, for everybody else that's trying to compete with you. That's a solid mic drop moment. John, if contractors listening to this or anyone listening to this wants to get in touch with you, wants to learn more about you or Searchlight, how do you recommend that they do that? Yeah. I mean, you can connect with me on on LinkedIn, Jonathan Torrey. You can send me an email, j-o-n at searchlightdigital.io. You can go to thedatadriventrades.substack.com to read some of the articles, get into some of the data, get a feel for how we talk about it, how we analyze it. And ask questions. I love questions. I spend a lot of time in the Facebook groups just reading the comments. What are the challenges people have? I just published one, an article where it was, you know, our marketed leads getting more expensive. How does the customer acquisition cost change in 2022? Because someone asked it in one of the contractor Facebook groups and there were a lot of engagement on it. So I was like, yeah, I'll just answer that in the Substack. So I love questions. Good. Well, well done. And listeners, you heard it here. John Torrey sees a future where every contractor has an online store. So thank you for listening to the Change Your Filter podcast. Talk to you soon. Hey, thanks for listening to this conversation with John Torrey. Um, I encourage you to find his blog. You can find a link to it in the show notes here, but the datadriventrades.substack.com. It's kind of a mouthful, the datadriventrades.substack.com or check the notes in this podcast subscribe to his content, be enlightened and get to know my friend, Jonathan Dory.